Wednesday, June 29th here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Chuck Zada here, still flying solo as Mark Schofield is off on a quarterback scouting trip. He has the biggest budget at Inside the Pylon. He takes the longest trips at Inside the Pylon. He'll be back tomorrow, though, talking a little bit of Patriots, though. Uh, But for today, what I wanted to do is dig into uh, an article from one of our newest writers, and it deals with a topic uh, that... You know, we're always looking to kind of push the limit on and, and try to find uh, some new ground to cover. And that is player valuation, as well as, uh, you know, really building a model to value uh, how strongly a franchise has set itself up, both in the present as well as in the future. And I'm joined by one of our writers, Jeff Fair here. And Jeff, I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having me, Chuck. Can you, I guess... First of all, this you know we we talk about player valuation a lot, and it's it's always something that I think is uh, difficult to for for people to wrap their minds around, just because football is such a complicated sport with so many different interactions happening on each play. What was the I guess genesis of the method that you put together here? What was the idea that got you going down this road? Sure, sure. So I mean, my, I've, I've had a long time fascination with with you know building uh, rosters, not just you know looking at individual players, but how a roster intertwines with each other. And maybe this is dating back to a little bit of my coaching days. Uh, I do a little work with our lads with depth charts, and in that regard, um, so I've always had that kind of that kind of fixation on how a roster interacts with each other, how the different parts interact with each other. Um, so in looking at that as a whole, I, it's been broken down a lot by various sources is how to value individual players. Well, I think the complicated thing, like you mentioned about football, is that it's more or less how these individual players interact with each other as opposed to isolating their particular performances. Uh, and then we have a tendency sometimes to perhaps um, isolate their performances at the one season rather than looking at where they lie on the entire developmental curve seeing as that what you just said about football being a very complicated game with a number of different variables. So I think it's, it's, hard, to, um, it's hard to look at everything, the big picture sometimes, because there are so many variables. A lot of times it's simpler to look at everything in a vacuum, say, say this guy had this kind of season, this is who he is as a player. And it's, it's really easy to do that, but I think like you mentioned, we're trying not to do the easy thing, we're trying to do something that that is new and maybe we can do something that is more accurate and gives a lot more insight to uh to the game yeah so with that in mind can you give our listeners a basic overview of the framework that you built uh just some of the key themes that you're trying to incorporate into this and then we'll dig into the detail a little bit as we go but really the big ideas that you're trying to wrap up in this and and some of the items that are considered in there yeah, the big idea is, is basically to, to look at each team's roster and say, okay, look at each guy. And, and what I did in, in this one is not look at a two-deep depth chart or a three-deep depth chart. I really looked at a 30-person, uh, you know, I called it a condensed roster, uh, more or less for those guys that are involved in most of the plays and any sub-packages um, that, that really see most of the playing time. Looking at those guys uh, in particular, removing each one, seeing how they fit within that team where they are in their career, how much the team is invested in them, are they a fit for what the team is doing, and, and what has their performance been up to this point. From that, we, you know, I took each player or in the two teams that I've, I've posted so far, the Packers and the Rams. I've currently graded all 32 teams, but have yet to been posted. 
um, but took each player from those teams and and graded them along that along those using those variables. Um, so and it, from there, from there, once we have a grade on it, we have a rating. It's just a very it's a very simple score. Again, this is the first stages of development, and we'll see where it goes from there. But it's it's taking into to account everything: P- potential, performance, uh, development, investment, fit, and intangibles of the player. Now, do you have effectively for all of those different pieces? And I think it was it's uh, six different pieces there. I think. For yeah. each of those, do you go through and rate each player based on those, and that gets you to an overall rating? Is that essentially how you're doing it? Uh, you're right. No, right now it's it's looking at each variable and 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 taking that into account of the whole big picture. Not necessarily rating within each one, within each six one of those six areas. Maybe we'll get to that point, but right now it's just taking into account all those areas for the one grade because it is it is a very simple uh, simple metric at this point. But as we develop it, that's my hope, is that we can grade along those six different areas and then come to one grade. So let's talk about that rating system that you've developed then. And effectively, it both takes into account uh, the... Uh, the quality of the player and the quality quality of that player within the system as well as the age of the player and years of experience sure sure the biggest the biggest thing for me was the, a lot of the time was focused on the young players and so much so many of these teams now um, a lot of the teams like in particular the Packers we talk about here they get good by investing a lot in the draft and using that using their draft picks to really fortify their entire roster and I think that we can't simply look at, okay, this guy performed below expectations this year, but instead this is a young guy that they've invested a high pick on or a low pick on, and they expect to perform at a certain level down the road. Um, so I used years of experience as the main factor in separating those out. So within the first three years of a player being in the league, um, I have there's four different categories they can be in. And the, the main two, the first two years in the league, they can only be a high expectation youth, which is essentially a high draft pick or a player that gets put into a position where they need to play a lot right away. And the team has a lot invested in that player and how they do. The other option is the low investment youth. Low investment youth is a player that shows up on the 30 man condensed depth chart. But at the same time, that player's performance will not make or break um, whether or not that team succeeds, so it has a lower has a lower rating at that point. Um, but again, having those guys on your roster and having a low investment player that could one day move up a different tier is a way a team like the Packers have really done a good job of of fortifying their roster. At the year three point, I've used this kind of the arbitrary marking point for where that player can maybe take a turn for the better. So I have the star or next tier categories, uh, star being the highest rating, next tier being the second highest rating, uh, where you have a player such as you know Odell Beckham, who has already pretty much thrust himself into that star category. Um, but again, they can also stay in that high expectation youth, low investment youth, if they haven't had enough on tape or enough experience at this point in order to jump to one of those categories. At the year three point, is really when we make the decision, okay, we've got three years of tape on this guy, three years of information, and I shouldn't say just tape, but information on that player that says we can know pretty much how that player is going to perform right now. They can move between categories past that point, but at the three-year mark, you kind of know there's not much that's going to be expected of that player other than moving from system to system if they change teams. 
Um, so at that point, we have star, which is a, it's a five-point rating. Next tier, which is a four-point rating. Uh, good veteran, which is a three-point rating. And then average veteran at two, below average at one. The only area that I had some, you know, you have some issues with, because a lot of teams, and you've got at this point about 80 to 90 guys in their roster, having a, a roster hole uh, where there's no viable option. A lot of times, the, really the only times I use this rating was when there's an undrafted free agent, and that's the only thing that they have at that position, which is very unique at this point. So that's, those are the, I used years of experience to get to that point, and then also taking into account all those six variables I mentioned before. When you put this all together then, you are effectively also taking a team and aggregating that overall talent score in order really to produce, you know, here, here's how much talent a team has for their given system, correct? That's correct, yeah. So once we, we rate every player, it'll based on the point totals I was talking about, it'll rate every player and add up a total for that team, giving a talent score. Uh, below that, I also have a stability score and a volatility score. Um, hoping to go, in, again, in depth with this further down the road with, with instead of the pylon. But stability score is essentially how many good uh, next tier and star veterans that that team has. And that generally is the best indicator from my data that I've looked at into what teams succeed season to season. The volatility score is based on those teams that have a high number of their players at the high young or the low or the low young point where they they could go either way. There are young players that haven't had um, a ton of playing time yet, and you don't know what the perform the next step is for them. A team I know that rated very high in the volatility score is the Jacksonville Jaguars, where a number of their players on the 30-man uh, condensed depth chart are in those first three years of their career, and they haven't shown yet whether or not they're going to jump up to that star category or they're going to settle in that average veteran category. So the volatility score is something where you could see a team maybe make a jump from one year or maybe crater one year. It's that's the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are one team that I, I know I pinpointed as having a, a really high volatility score and potentially one to watch out for next year that could surprise some people. Is there any thought down the road? And obviously, I know this is still in development at this point. Is there any thought down the road to also building in something to factor in players on the tail end of their career who may uh, simply not be with a team down the road? I'm thinking, you know, something like Peyton Manning last year where all indications were that he wouldn't even be on the team next year, and that needed to be factored in as well. Or does, oh, this, already, or does this already do that? Oh, it, it, it does, but I think that's, the, that's a little bit of a – that's when I was grading players, and I know when I was discussing this with some people, uh, that is the hardest thing for me to grade because you want to say, okay, Peyton Manning is a star. But if you watch Peyton Manning on tape last year, okay, that is, that's more of an average veteran that you're looking at right there. So it's, it's trying to separate uh, – the, the name recognition from the performance, but also giving a little bit of the benefit of the doubt for the name recognition, if that makes sense, what, what I'm saying there. Yep. But not trying to skew too far in the name recognition where you're pushing a guy like Peyton Manning to a, a star player just because that's what he's been up to that point in his career. I think you're going to get to the point where it's going to be really hard to look at you know Tom Brady eventually, but Tom Brady right now is playing at a star level regardless of how many years he's been in the league. But that is one area I'd like to pinpoint more, and I think that's I've made some notes about how to improve this, maybe some, maybe how to crowdsource people and get some input from others in the inside the pylon community in order to improve it. But I think that is an area that you brought up there that is, that's most difficult right now because you can always say with the, with the young guys, I mean, there's they could jump to the next level, they could go down, 
But with those old guys, you know what they've been, and there really is only one way for them to go. Jeff, have you uh, gone through all 32 teams yet and looked at any trends across the league in terms of here's an area that teams are typically spending more in terms of uh, you know, teams typically have, you know, older players. Here's some uh, positions in which, you know, teams are typically using younger players and putting less of an emphasis there. Is that something that you've done yet or is that in the cards? That is in the cards. That will be uh, that will be in the works. Some trends that I did notice is that um, a lot of the more successful teams are have a lot of have a lot of low to high investment youth young players in the offensive line uh, and the defensive backfield. Um, so I thought that was unique, but that's one I've, I've noticed right away. The, the, I wanted to get the overarching ratings done, and then maybe dig down a little more as we go for, as we go further. I will say, like I was mentioning, those stability and volatility scores are a pretty good indicator uh, of what teams are, uh, what successful teams are out there. The Denver, Denver, Green Bay, Seattle, New England, all were the four highest rated teams by stability score, and then in the volatility score. Uh, the four highest-ranking teams there were uh, Jacksonville, Cleveland, San Francisco, and New Orleans. So a lot of those teams relying a lot on the um, on the young players. Uh, the one unique team, the one team that really stood out to me was Philadelphia, who was kind of middle of the pack in overall talent. Uh, had a very high stability score, but a very low volatility score, which is unique for a team that missed the playoffs last year. You would expect someone, a team like that that's not relying on a lot of young players to maybe be a little better with, especially with a middle of the pack rating. But that positional, um, the positional grading, looking for trends like that, is the next step in this process, or one of the next steps in this prospe- process. I've talked with uh, with Dan Hatman a number of times about about doing some uh, some other things in the way of scouting, maybe grading uh, positionally different. So looking at um, maybe having different variables for every position rather than having the same overarching variables for each position. Sure. Uh, which I think makes a ton of sense because you, you know you have longevity of career, especially with running backs. That's a little difficult to assess. Uh, quarterbacks being in the wrong system that tends to matter more than other than other positions. Um, so that's definitely something to look at down the line, and, and hopefully shortly. Yeah, and uh, and I'd be curious to see if there's anything you can do as well in terms of you mentioned one example of quarterbacks being in the wrong system as far as looking at look here is kind of a raw talent level that this player possesses here are some teams that weren't able to maximize their talent level, and here's some things that maybe they have in, in common and trying to you know, hone in on some processes there uh, that either do work effectively for teams or don't. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think as if we do this in a year, if this becomes a year-to-year thing, I think it'd be interesting to see the guys, that are the teams that have more success in jumping their players from one category to the next, uh, taking the, those young players and developing the talent. And harnessing the ability and putting them in the right system to make them successful, or at least in our eyes, make them successful. Uh, I think that's another interesting uh, layer to this. Yeah, and I'd be curious if, if looking at that one other thing, and this is this, I'm I'm giving you a ton of work, just like with with all this right here. But no, I th- want it. Let's. <laughs> an, 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 another thing that I think would be interesting is if you also looked at it from a perspective of. Uh, salary cap hits and saying, okay, what teams are able to properly jettison players at the right time before they become overly expensive and before they become a drag on their team? Oh, absolutely, and that would be that would be a, a definite thing that would that would make this, I think, more advantageous. I know one thing I have looked at um, 
doing some stuff, uh, I looked at investment in draft picks versus investment in, in money. I talked to Dave Archibald a little bit about this and trying to incorporate you know, what teams invest high at certain positions and then maybe what teams are getting the, the best bang for their buck based on these ratings here. So I think tying all of that together and really bringing the, the whole picture around is really what the next step in this is. Outstanding. Well, it's, it's, it's fascinating stuff. I'm always uh, interested in learning more about this. Obviously, look, no one's got it completely figured out. Otherwise, the league would be pretty boring right now. But Jeff, love the work that you're doing, and uh, it's been great having you on so far today. Chuck, thanks so much for happening. And, you know, as, we, as this process develops, we'll uh, talk some more. Yeah, you got it. We'll get you back on uh, sometime later this summer, and we'll dig in in a little bit more depth. But until then, we are uh, wrapped up for the day. It is all the time that we have. Mark Schofield's going to be back tomorrow talking a little bit of Patriots and some of the uh, the contracts that they have signed as well as ones they may have to sign in the next six months. So that's coming up tomorrow on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Quick Kicks podcast.